0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at www.first-prez.org. I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. Our passage today is short. It'll go by fast, which is appropriate since our title today is Don't Delay. The message today is about time. And as I read the passage, I want you to notice the adverbial phrases. The what? <laughs> I know, I had to ask my kids too. It's it's those words that modify the verb. So so pay attention to the timing. How quickly things are moving. Listen to the word of God. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets, and without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Lord, your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, so we ask that you would plant it deeply within our souls today, that we might grow in faith and trust, and follow where you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what gets you to drop everything you are doing in any given moment? What is it in your world that rises to the level of getting you to set aside whatever is right in front of you and switch your attention to something else? For example... When I'm looking at my phone or when I see the phone number of my children's school flash on my phone, that's not a call I wait to take. The school only calls if there's something urgent or some kind of emergency with my child. I will take that call right there. Or when my husband or my mother call twice in a row with no gap, that's the signal that there's something urgent and I need to answer right now. So I'll excuse myself from whatever I'm doing and I'll check in on that phone call. Last January, we received a letter from our homeowners association that our Christmas lights that we had put up on the front of our house were up past the arbitrary time they had selected when they were supposed to be taken down. (laughs) I was pretty steamed about the letter. I thought, seriously, we have time to write letters like this? My my other thought was, you know, you're just lucky that we took time to put Christmas lights up, make our neighborhood look beautiful. But it got my attention, and within 24 hours, we took those lights down. This year, we took them down right after New Year's. Um, In the big scheme of things, I have no interest in spending an ounce of my energy on when Christmas lights should go up and down. We do, however, keep our lights up on the back porch all year round and make sure they're lit up every night. What about you? What shoots to the top of your list that one thing that will reorder your moment that will capture your immediate attention? Is it a call from a family member, a letter from your HOA, something else? Perhaps a certain football team getting into the playoffs or the Super Bowl, one of these maybe? No, nothing? Okay. What reorders everything in front of you? At a moment's notice. In our passage today, we see a rather remarkable and immediate response to the call of Jesus, an interruption in a day that reorders everything in the moment. We have four young men, fishermen, who shift their attention from, well, fishing, to respond to the invitation of a man who has simply said, Follow me. Now we know the whole story of these young men, these disciples of Jesus, who they are, who they will become. But their life of following Jesus had to start somewhere. At some point they had to stop what they were doing, they had to turn, and they had to begin something else. This story is their start moment. As John Ortberg simply states in his widely read book, if you want to walk on water, you gotta get out of the boat. Simon, Andrew, James, and John got out of the boat. To start something new, you got to get out of the boat. And Mark tells us that the fishermen responded at once. The word here translates immediately, at once, straight away, and my favorite translation, without unnecessary zigzagging. (laughs) LAUGHTER Mark uses this word 42 times in his gospel, and as you know, his gospel is short, it's quick, it's responsive, it's active, it's exciting. The king has entered his kingdom. Life pours out wherever the king goes. A reordering of reality flows from his words, and joy is experienced by those who meet him. Wherever the king goes, the creation is immediately responsive. Who is this king? Who is this Jesus? Jesus. Adam, my husband, and I were talking about this story earlier in the week, and he mentioned that for a grown man to be drawn away from his work or his father is a big deal. Guessing that's true. So let's spend a few moments digging in. Who is this Jesus? And why is the response so quick? We read that Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He's out and about. He's really there Walking around, and as he walks, he sees what's around him. Last week at our eco gathering, which is our denominational meetings, Dr. Condoleezza Rice spoke to us about being kingdom leaders, and she commented that Jesus walked the neighborhood. He walked so he could see. The text says Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, he saw James and John. The call of Jesus isn't generic or abstract, spoken from on high to anyone who just might happen to be listening. The call of Jesus is particular, and it's to a person. Now, Mark doesn't expand on this, but John does in his gospel. He writes, when Jesus saw Nathanael, he said, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. I see you, says Jesus. I see you. He knows you, He knows who you are, how you're put together. He made you, by the way. He knows what brings you joy, what brings you grief, what your struggles are. He knows where you live what your work is, Jesus sees you. He knows your name, and he knows your address. When Jesus calls you to start something, he calls the real you right now in this moment. He doesn't call some abstract version of you or some version of you that you wish you were. He sees you as you are in the moment and invites you to take a step out of the boat. How will you respond? How will we respond? A week from Wednesday, we begin the season of Lent, which I mentioned earlier. It's a season when many of us will take just a little bit of extra time to listen to the voice of Jesus. Like Advent, it's a holy and expectant time for the church. But interestingly, the majority of our life together is spent in a season referred to on the church calendar as ordinary time. It begins after Pentecost and ends with Advent, and then there's this window in between Advent and Ash Wednesday. So we're in ordinary time right now until Ash Wednesday. Our passage today finds Jesus seeking out the four fishermen in the middle of an ordinary day. They're fishing. They're casting nets, they're preparing nets, they're doing their job. There's nothing especially sacred or set aside about this moment. Jesus simply interrupts their everyday standard routine. Jesus speaks in the middle of the day. Not just Sunday in worship, although he does speak here, not just when we're in Bible study or at a prayer group, although he does speak there, but he also speaks in a staff meeting, during a phone call, playing with our kids, studying for an exam, when we're in the car at the grocery store. The voice of Jesus comes into the midst of the ordinary and the mundane. And if we are alert, aware, responsive, the call of Jesus changes everything. Jesus reorders our lives. Everything we do becomes infused with kingdom purposes. In New Hampshire, there's an inter retreat center where when I was in college, we spent a lot of time. And in the dining hall of the retreat center is this big wall. And everyone who comes to visit is invited to, you know, put up their college pennant, which has, you know, their motto, their banner from their college. And so there's just this great wall with a whole bunch of, of pennants that are fun to look at. But the story is told of two college students who were looking at the wall where one of them, a Yale University student, had just pinned up his college pennant. It was a proud moment as he showed his friend who was from a neighboring college. His friend looked at the lovely blue Yale pennant for God, for country, and for Yale. He studied it a bit. He hesitated for a moment before finally saying, it's kind of anticlimactic, isn't it? I mean, third place is solid, don't get me wrong but the Yale I know likes to be in first place. (laughs) Most things in our life would really like to be in first place. But when God is in first, everything else finds its proper place. The beauty of this moment in Mark's gospel is that Jesus isn't calling these fishermen to become something utterly foreign to who they are. He's not calling them actually to stop fishing. But when Jesus calls us to follow him, to put God at the top of the banner, everything we are, every gift we have, every assignment we've been given, every college we attend is for the glory of God. I don't stop becoming a Yale student. I realize that I've been sent to Yale by God to share the good news of Jesus. Simon, Andrew, James, and John are fishermen. Jesus isn't calling them to stop being fishermen, but to fish for something new, to fish for people. Jesus intends to call every gift and skill you have to the very highest calling of all, bringing people into the kingdom. Become who you really are, and don't delay. You're a fisherman? Great, I'll send you out to fish for people. You're a teacher, I've sent you to teach people with patience, love, joy, and gentleness that they might see me. Oh, you're a mom, I've sent you to love, gather, carpool, and feed people right into the family of God. You're a lawyer, I've sent you to persuade people of the love of God, you get the picture. Is Jesus wanting to start something with you right where you are, with the gifts that you have, the skills that you have, with the people around you. Don't wait. Life starts now, in this moment. As we get ready for the Winter Olympics, we're hoping that our athletes are ready for their moment. This is Nathan Chen, our top men's qualifier in figure skating, and he's amazing to watch. Don't miss when he performs but all the athletes have worked so hard, they have tuned their training regiments to this one moment when they will leave everything on the floor. There won't be a second chance. I was watching men's figure skating the other night, and there was an outstanding performance by a skater from Japan who did four quad jumps, um, and you pretty much have to do four quad jumps to even you know, be considered for a medal at this point. But on the first quad jump, he fell. He got back up, and he skated the rest of his performance flawlessly. And the commentator said, I think it's fine that he fell on that first jump. Better here than in his Olympic moment. He needs to save every last perfect piece of the routine for the time when it counts. Nothing is more important. When our skaters take the ice at Pyeongchang, the time has come. Just before this, Jesus preaches his first sermon, communicating that the moment has now arrived, that the time has come. The king is bringing his kingdom. Nothing is more important than this time, this moment, today. So don't delay. The writer of Hebrews clarifies this for us. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The writer indicates that delay can harden the heart. When we continually hear the voice of the Lord but we don't respond, eventually we, be, we can become non responsive and hard hearted to the voice of God. We can easily talk ourselves out of responding to God's word. Did I really hear the voice of God? Maybe I'll do it next week, next month. Pretty soon we've forgotten or we've convinced ourselves that it wasn't really a call from Jesus. So the exhortation from Hebrews is, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When you hear Jesus' voice, it's time to follow, to take the step, to get out of the boat, What's your out of the boat step today? I mentioned about our annual meeting last Sunday night where we celebrated five generations of ministry in our congregation. One of the couples we celebrated was Jeff and Kathy Freischlag, who oversaw the greenhouse ministry for seven years as they poured their lives into young adults. It was only eight years ago that Dr. Cliff Anderson cast a vision for this community house. And I asked Kathy to tell me more about what it looked like for her and Jeff to step out of the boat, to start, to say yes. When she heard Cliff's vision and sensed the Spirit might be calling them to respond, what was her first step? What did she do? And other than thinking in her mind, good luck with that, Cliff, she prayed. As God brought that vision to mind over time, that invitation to her, Um, She said she prayed about it, and honestly, she said, I I hoped it would go away. But she found herself being drawn again and again into that call. Eventually, she talked to her husband, Jeff, and then to Cliff, and they took the plunge. But the first step for Jeff and Kathy wasn't to run out and buy a downtown fixer-upper and get to work. Eventually, they would do that. But the first step for Kathy was prayer, and then to talk Jeff and Cliff about it. Sometimes we can think of prayer as passive activity. Prayer, however, is active engagement with God. Even to pray for something to go away means that you're engaging with the Lord. I love that that was part of her process. You know, there's a big difference between ignoring God and asking God to reconsider what he's put before you. One posture is passive and disengaged. The other is active and fully engaged. Say something back to God. Maybe your first step today is is just simply acknowledging that God has spoken to you, has said something to you, to pray, to ask him more about it. Maybe your next step is telling somebody that you believe that Jesus is asking you to start something, to do something, engage. A first step gets you moving. And we all know Newton's first law of motion. Here he is to tell us. An object in motion stays in motion. An object at rest will never move. Get out of the boat. Get moving. Start praying. Start talking. Take that first step. I close with this. As I thought about my own life and what helps me be responsive to God, what helps me to live a don't-delay life, and like, like you, I don't do it perfectly, but I look at this little story in Scripture and I realize it's not complicated. In fact, I pulled out three words that stand out to me, three simple ideas that keep me Responsive. The first one is word. There's, you know, Jesus talks in this passage. Jesus said, Jesus said. So, word is what my first word, listening for the word of God, be in the word of God. I'm most responsive to God when I'm in the word regularly, asking God, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking? What guide me? Lead me. We gather and worship and hear and receive the word together right here every Sunday. The word of the Lord, we know, brings life, brings order to our steps. The Lord, by his word, shows us what the next step is. Are you in the word? The second word is brother. You probably noticed, but God calls, Jesus calls two pairs of brothers in this story. That's kind of neat. They don't get out of the boat alone. They're called together. God is calling others alongside us, siblings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Who is God calling with you to take the step with you? I need people, brothers and sisters in my life to help me take risks, to share my journey, to pray for me, to help me understand what God is saying to me through his scripture. I'm more responsive to the Lord when I'm sharing my life with other Christians. Are you part of a small community? Do you have a circle of friends who does that for you? This Lent will have the opportunity to to get involved in a life group if you're not already in one. In fact, I think there's sign-ups right outside the door, a step you can take today. Maybe your next step is toward community, people to go with. And the final word is people. I need to be with people. This pushes me past my Christian community. I need to walk the neighborhood. When I'm isolated from people, I get confused about what's important to them, where people are, what they care about, what they struggle with. If Jesus is sending me to fish for people, I need to move in toward people. Whether I'm in my front yard, at my kid's school, at a Super Bowl party, serving in a place of mission, I need to be with people. Maybe your start has to do with walking the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day today. You could start today. The time is now, Jesus says. Today. Jesus is pouring his life into this world, his hope, his redemption, his restoration, and he invites us to get out of the boat and be part of it. What a privilege to hear the call. Don't delay. Take a step. Move. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word that calls us toward you, to follow you. Thank you that your word is active in our life. We want to be active with you. Lord, maybe in this moment you are speaking to us. You are asking us to take a step of faith to follow, to start something. Help us to say yes today, to take a step today. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you have a life ready for us that fishes for people. We're yours, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our first Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.